on-demand coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Monday edition of PFT PM, vacation edition. What vacation? Who takes a vacation? Look, I don't want to take a vacation. They require me to take four weeks off of radio, and it'll be five weeks off of TV. They have other things on TV, like the Tour de France. France. We used to do that on the afternoon PFT show. Maybe one of the reasons why there isn't an afternoon PFT show anymore. We shifted to the morning, but now we're off for five weeks. No PFT Live, although there's still a show on 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Radio. Stats will be involved after this week. He's got a vacation. He gets one week, I get four. So, there's that. I just don't want it. I woke up this morning at 6 a.m. ready to go. I woke up yesterday, Sunday, thinking, I miss my show. I want my show. Give me my bleepity bleep show. So, I still have this, PFTPM. Oh, by the way, for those of you who subscribe to the PFT Live podcast feed, you'll get this. So, as I'm explaining to you there's no show, and you're wondering, what in the hell is this guy talking about? I'm listening to a show. That's why. There's a show. That's a show. This is your show. Enjoy it. Oh, by the way, there's nothing to talk about today, so this is going to be a short show. Here's what I'm going to do. I guess I'm just going to scroll through PFT and paraphrase the stories. I mean, that's what radio hosts do throughout the country every day anyway. One of the reasons why I decided to get into radio. I had heard enough times over the years that these local guys mainly just basically reading and reacting to our stories, just scrolling through one after another. So what the hell, I'll do the same thing, at least today. Not that I don't do it other days. Sometimes I do. Let me take a drink first. Ah. That was quite refreshing. I would mention the beverage I just consumed if I had a sponsorship deal with that beverage. I don't. What did y'all think of Junior on the podcast on Friday? I've seen only positive feedback on Twitter. And look, that is not the bastion for people being polite. No one said, hey, that kid sucks. No one said anything negative at all. They love him. They like him more than they like me. Of course, that's a low bar. So we're going to start doing Fridays because it's a nice change of pace day, at least for the rest of the summer, at least until training camps open up. I'm going to get him a cough button too. He was coughing and playing with the back scratcher and just fidgeting. You know, it's new to him. And I think he's got some natural ability, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, he's genetically connected to me. So Friday. Wednesday, tentatively, Amy Trask, former Raiders president. She's with CBS. She's the commissioner of that big three basketball league as well. I'd hire her to be the commissioner of any football league in the world. Instantly. XFL, no disrespect to Andrew Luck's father, Oliver. See how I fixed that? I was going to say Andrew Luck. Then I realized, wait a minute, it's Oliver Luck. So let's just do Andrew Luck's father, Oliver. Of course, it kind of blows it. Makes it a little less smooth when you stop and take 30 seconds to mention that you did it. The the trained ear would have known, though. Any of you who may have been thinking, oh, he's about to screw it up, and then thought, hey, nice save. Oh, wait a minute. Now he's been talking about it for a minute. What the hell's wrong with this guy? All right, plenty of things. So, Amy Trask Wednesday, Peter King Thursday. Peter King, soon to be officially a member of NBC Sports, a full-blown, full-fledged, not half-fledged, but full-fledged 
member of NBC Sports. His new column debuts the middle of July. It won't be called Monday Morning Quarterback. Remember when David Letterman jumped from NBC to CBS? Yeah, I did another save. NBC, NBC to CBS. Remember that? He wasn't allowed to call it whatever the show's called on CBS. I can't even remember the name of the damn show. Wait, NBC. What was it on NBC? I can't even remember. I really can't. It was just the show on after Johnny Carson. But whatever the name was, they couldn't bring it over. It was the intellectual property of NBC. So I'm assuming that something like that has gone on here. Monday morning quarterback stays at SI.com. I thought about suggesting Monday morning cornerback because it sounds basically the same. It's a different word. They have another name that they're cooking up. It doesn't matter. It's still the same content. The label doesn't matter. The label's irrelevant. It's what's under the label that matters, right? That's deep philosophical shit that you always will get here. Sorry, people on the PFT Live side who aren't used to cursing. That's reserved typically to the PFTPM podcast feed. I'm trying to restrict it. Trying is the key word. All right, after about five minutes, let's get to what's happening. No joint practices for the Patriots this summer. That's a strange one. And I wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that hashtag Tommy wasn't around this summer for the offseason program. Does Bill Belichick feel compelled to focus on getting the team ready without the change of pace that comes from practicing against other teams? Do they need to work exclusively within the boundaries of their own organization? I don't know. There's, there's got to be a reason for it. There's always a reason for everything Bill Belichick does. Unless there was some incident in the past, I can't imagine why they would change it other than a decision being consciously made to focus more time on the team because Tom Brady wasn't around for any portion of the offseason program. Only 17 draft picks are unsigned. I posted on that earlier today. I think there could be a little bit of an issue with Baker Mayfield and the Browns. I think there could be because the agents who represent Baker Mayfield may need to persuade him that they are earning their money because he almost went without an agent. So there may be some pressure there for them to drive a hard bargain on getting the offset language stricken from Baker Mayfield's four-year guarantee. And usually it doesn't matter, but you know what? The last two first-round quarterbacks taken by the Browns were cut after two years. So it does matter. It could matter if you're a Cleveland Browns quarterback. Also, cash flow. That signing bonus. When will it all be paid out? How soon? How long? That's one of the hidden terms in all of this that the average person doesn't really care about. If you get $15 million, it doesn't matter when you get it. Well, it does. There's time value of money and whatnot. The Julian Edelman appeal hearing due to happen today. I've still yet to see anyone else explain it the way that I have, which makes me think I may be flat out freaking wrong. But when there's a report that it was an unrecognized substance that nevertheless triggered a four-game suspension, the way I read the PED policy is that whatever the substance is, it was determined it has similar chemical structure and similar effects on the human body as one of the 71 enumerated, you like that fancy word, anabolic compounds. So something happened to trigger the positive. And I think the leak, and I think the leak was to Albert Breer, that it's an unrecognized substance. That was a belated PR effort to take some of the sting out of this. The initial PR effort from Edelman, I don't know what happened. That's not going to get you a successful appeal because it doesn't matter. I know what happened. You had a positive test. And under the PED policy, one positive, four-game suspension. So we'll see. 
We'll see if he has anything. He plans to mount a vigorous defense. All right, good luck with that. We'll see where it goes. And he has a right to be pissed off if he wins because there will still be people who view him as a cheater, even though he ultimately was not found to be in violation of the PED policy and we never should have known about it. And I understand, people, that I'm in the media business and people in the media love to disseminate information no matter how protected it should be. There's a belief that anything and everything is fair game. Put it all out there for the world to see. It's all that matters. Get the information out to the world. I think it should be a little more restricted than that. I think there are certain instances where we need to respect the privacy of the individuals involved. But that's just me. I don't know. There was a time when I when I would indeed post that information when someone was facing a suspension for a violation of the PED policy, the substance abuse policy, and it wasn't announced yet, and it wasn't official yet. And then once I learned more about it and thought about it, I don't know, I've evolved in some of my thinking. I've gotten soft, some would say. And it was before we got the dog. That damn dog has made me really soft. Although the dog drives me crazy. Like there's 15 minutes of the day scattered over the 18 hours or so that I'm awake where I seriously think we made a mistake by getting a dog. The rest of the day, I love the dog. But there's that 15 minutes, cumulative, maybe 10, where it's like, man, did we really do the right thing? This thing pisses and shits all over the place. Now, it's only pooped in the house. I think it's only pooped in the house once and never on a rug. It, it only poops on tile, which is somewhat comforting, but a lot of piss on the rugs. Now, there aren't many rugs, but the dog likes to piss on the rugs. Like, the dog senses the difference in texture. Like, the dog's on tile a lot. And if you don't get the dog out when it's time... This is high-level veterinary quality advice. If you don't get the dog out an hour, hour and a half after the last time she's peed, once she feels that change of, of fabric from tile to... Well, not fabric. Change of material from tile to rug, it's squat and piss. And you have no warning. Like, at least when they poop, they do that... They do that that thing where they kind of assume the position like Kevin Bacon in Animal House, you know? And you got a chance to get the bomb diffused before it blows. But when it's time to pee, I mean, it is squat, piss, squat, piss, squat, piss. Like, there is no chance. Like, it is instantaneous. It is a strike of lightning. Happened today. Right on the road. In a room that she's not supposed to go in, some idiot me, left the door open, she goes in, squat, piss. And it's instant! They don't even give you that warning with, like, they snuffle around. They do that when they're going to crap. This is all very high-level, sophisticated banter. But, man, it's just squat, piss. Anyway. That's all I got on that. Why, Why am I even talking about that? How do we even get down that rabbit hole from talking about Julian Edelman's PED pulse? I, I, I don't know. Uh, I posted the video today that we had on PFT Live last week. Coach most likely to be fired this season. The first one to be fired. You can bet on that. And I think I've found what our niche or niche, if you really fancy, is going to be when it comes to betting. I'm not going to lie to people and act like I know what's going to happen in a given game because nobody knows what's going to happen in a given game. Nobody gets it right. You get lucky. Now, maybe you have an informed belief, but even then... It's not quite a flip of a coin. Over time, maybe you make money. 
if you can just make it a 55-45 proposition or 60-40, but nobody really knows. And I remember when Hank Greenberg used to be on ESPN and they'd rattle off these historical statistics. You know, teams change too much from year to year to worry about the last five times the Dolphins played on artificial turf when the sun was in the fourth quadrant, if that's even a thing. Every year is a self-contained creature. Now, later in the year, you may have a better sense as to what's going to happen based on what's previously happened that year, but so much changes every year to make it difficult, if not impossible, to have any faith in what's going to happen game by game. I think what we're going to be able to do at PFT is give people some good betting advice on bigger picture props, like who gets fired first. Like I see these odds and I instantly know, and this is one of the benefits of living, breathing, sleeping, eating the sport. You tell me which coach you think may get fired and I can tell you why that's credible and why it's not credible. We broke that all down. So if you're thinking about betting on someone else's potential misfortune, then go for it. We have the item at PFT that that breaks it all down. We talked about it last week on PFT Live. And again, this is just a product of me scrolling through the the rumor mill. I was intrigued by the news that Randall Cobb was spotted in a walking boot because if he's got any type of a serious injury, doesn't Des Bryant make a ton of sense for the Packers? Just saying. One more and then we'll get to some questions. Maybe a couple more. This Lorraine Duvernay-Tardif or Lorraine Duvernay-Tardif. I think it's Lorraine Duvernay-Tardif. Got to get it right. We're all going to know it in time because the NFL has found a way. Yet again, unforced error, just whacking the ball right into the net. Duvernay-Tardif has a medical degree. He's an MD. He wants MD on his jersey, and the NFL said no. And I should have known something was up because when I saw the report on Saturday from Canada, because I'm assuming duvernay Tardif told someone in the Canadian media that the NFL had said no, so they report it. That's fine. I wanted to get confirmation from the NFL before we posted it. Sent an email on Saturday, no response. And that's how they typically deal with me. No response the first time, forced me to ask a second time. Often, I get a response the second time. So the Saturday email, no response. MDS posted the story Sunday morning. I asked, again, follow-up. Can I get confirmation and can you explain why? No response. Nothing. And look, I understand it was the weekend, but when you're working PR for the NFL, there is no weekend. There isn't because the media doesn't take a day off. So it's a fairly simple proposition. Yes or no. Here's our explanation. Or I'll get back to you Monday. We have to talk to the person who made the decision. I'll talk to him Monday morning or whatever. They just don't want people talking about it, writing about it. They don't want to contribute to the discussion because I think somebody there realizes how stupid this is. It really is. And see, this is one of the prime examples. And I haven't paid attention to NFL Network, NFL Media on this. But if you have true independence, and I know we all serve someone. That's the talking point. I think they hand it out on laminated cards to the people who are hired to serve as reporters on the NFL by the NFL. Well, we all serve someone. Yeah, we just so happen to work for the people who sign our paychecks. No no problems at all covering the entity that signs our paychecks. I guarantee you no one's going on NFL Network or NFL Media and saying the NFL screwed the pooch on this one, that the NFL got this one wrong. It's another example of the NFL making a mistake that was completely avoidable for no reason whatsoever. There's no reason What's the reason? There's only one reason I can think of. 
and help me. Let me know if you can think of a better reason. Because I think everything points to doing it. Because I could see a six-year-old kid discovers football. Hey, daddy. Hey, mommy. Why does that guy with the funny name have M and D at the end of it? Right? What's that mean? Oh, that means he went to school and studied very hard, Jimmy, and he's a medical doctor now. You're an MD when you're a doctor. You achieve and earn that special recognition. You're referred to separately and apart from everyone else because you help people recover from illness and identify disease and cure disease and save lives. And I'm, I'm kind of being sarcastic about it, but I'm not. It's the truth. I mean, I don't know what the hell I'm trying to... I don't know what I'm going for there. Whatever it is, it's not working. But I could see some little five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old learn about what a doctor is for the first time other than, you know, going to the doctor's office and getting getting unsuspectingly needled in the ass, which traumatized me greatly at age whatever it was, whenever I could first remember going to the doctor and never wanted to go back again because I stuck a needle in my ass. Anyway, that could inspire a kid, not not the whole needle thing, but it could inspire a kid to, to go be a doctor. It could inspire other players to get on with what Chuck Knoll always referred to as your life's work. Because your life isn't a football player. Your life's work is the decades after your football career ends, whenever it ends, and it's going to end. Why wouldn't you want every player on the field to see that MD, to be a constant reminder? I better have a plan. This isn't all football. I got to be thinking about the future. And is it possible, and here's where the reason comes into play, is it possible the NFL doesn't want the robots to start thinking about those things? They want the robots to be completely and totally devoted and dependent upon football. Their only source of financial compensation. The sole beacon in their life that draws them and drives them professionally. And if they start thinking about other things, maybe they'll choose to do other things. And maybe combined with the potential reduction in participants in football as youth football continues to diminish, maybe at some point we won't have enough guys who'll do this. I hate to give them that much credit because I doubt that they're that strategic. And if they were that strategic, they, they, you know, there was a, a lot of other things they wouldn't screw up. But they've screwed this thing up. And the only plausible explanation is sinister and devious. And it feeds the notion that the NFL has no regard for the individual players. Oh, by the way, the NFL doesn't have much regard for the individual players because there's an endless supply of them. See, what happens is, and training camp is coming, at some point during training camp, typically toward the end of the process, toward the end of the preseason, and it used to be a two-step cut down. Now it goes from 90 to 53. 37 guys per team are going to be taken off the active roster. Most of them are going to be cut. They're going to be fired. There's a certain callousness to it. There's a certain emotional detachment that you need to have, and I think the NFL likes it that way. And I think that the fact that the NFL doesn't view these players as human beings, that's the reason why they don't want them to have that human distinction, that MD. And I'm surprised that the NFL allows senior, junior, and other you know, designations like the third. And the, the one argument I've seen people make as well, this is a slippery slope. I mean, if we let one 
doctor, have MD. They all have to have it. Yeah, okay, good. All right. Every player who either is or becomes a doctor during his career gets to have MD on his jersey. I, I think that's a precedent the NFL should be willing to set. And if you become a lawyer and you want to put Esquire on the name, although technically you're not supposed to refer to yourself as Esquire, a lot of lawyers don't understand that. You don't call yourself Esquire. Other people call you Esquire. You don't call yourself Esquire. It's amazing how many lawyers don't understand that. Now you could call yourself JD, right? But lawyers aren't typically known as JD. So I I think that that would solve it. Because if you have a guy who gets a lottery like Dwayne Woodruff once did while playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Chuck Knoll, if he says, hey, I'd like to put Esquire on the back of my jersey, you say, well, you know, that's really bad form. You're not supposed to refer to yourself as Esquire. So no, we can't do that. But doctors refer to themselves as MD all the time. So I, I just don't get it. And you know what? It's not too late for the NFL to fix it. They could just call the Canadian report fake news, right? Everything else is Canada's fault nowadays. Just say they screwed it up. We're letting them do it. Wouldn't it be great to see the NFL just admit a mistake? Just admit it. Just this stupid pride and ego that influences so much that they do. It's kind of, it's it's just kind of disappointing. That's all I got to say about that. That's probably all I need to say about where we are right now. We're still waiting for this Jameis Winston suspension to be finalized. And I was kind of intrigued by the news that the guy who was in the car with him, not Ronald Darby, but the other guy in prison for rape. You know, it's irrelevant to what Jameis Winston did or didn't do, but it just gives it just a different feel. And once the letter comes out, with the details about what the league believes Jameis Winston did. That's when the dominoes could start to fall in a way that the Buccaneers face significant pressure to move on from Jameis Winston. And as we pointed out at PFT, if they decide to keep him and then wait until after the season to make the call on whether to retain him in 2019 when his fifth-year option salary kicks in at $20.9 million. The risk they take is if he finishes the season with any injury that keeps him from passing a physical before the middle of March, they owe him $20.9 million. It's the Colin Kaepernick dynamic. Although he wasn't entering a fifth-year option, he had a contract that had a salary that became fully guaranteed April 1 back in 2016. That's one of the reasons why the 49ers didn't cut him the Chip Kelly year. They couldn't because the money was going to be fully guaranteed. It's why they couldn't trade him. The Broncos were ready to trade for him, and they couldn't because he wouldn't reduce his salary, and the the injury that he had, he had three different surgeries. That wasn't going to result in an in a doctor, maybe Loren Duvernay-Tardif, clearing him to play before that money became fully guaranteed. So my point is, there may be no good way out of this corn maze for the Buccaneers. And we just wait and we see. And maybe there is enough of an outcry locally and or nationally that they have no choice but to let him go, depending upon the specific details contained in the letter that he inevitably will receive from the league office. All right, let's answer some questions before we wrap up this Monday edition of PFTPM, also doubling as the PFT Live podcast. Again, later this week, Amy Trask, then Peter King, then Fridays with junior and i'm saying that uh, this is this is such a product of radio because with radio people come in and out all the time of the audience so you can repeat things in the hope that they or in the in in the event that they didn't hear it if you heard that you heard the first one because you've been listening to the whole thing so it was kind of stupid for me to say that but even stupider for me to 
stop and say, hey, by the way, I shouldn't have said that. Here's what we're going to say now. We're going to answer some questions. PFTPM Posse had an observation. Enjoyed the Friday with my son, Alex, a.k.a. Aflow underscore on Twitter. He loosened up a lot by the end, and I see him getting more and more comfortable as he improves. Yeah, look, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for him. We've been talking about doing it for a long time. The kid's 21, and he sees and hears what I do, and I've been doing it for as long as he can remember. I got into this business when he was five. So there's a certain intimidation factor, and you want to live up to whatever low standard your dad has created. So I just, I'm trying to bring him in that way and just have some fun with it and talk about stuff other than football. Just have some fun and, and make it entertaining. And I thought he had some funny moments. I thought he had a great delivery. And I will do it Friday. And we'll keep doing it on Friday. And as I've told him, with reps, you're always going to get better. You're rarely going to get worse. PFTPM Posse asks, wouldn't Brown's GM John Dorsey potentially benefit from a Baker Mayfield holdout as it would play into the hands of sit him for the entire year so Hugh can't screw him up? Yes. Yes. And look, the Browns claim they don't want Mayfield to start this year. Well, if he holds out, then it's less likely he'll be ready to start. It'll be like Brady Quinn in 2007 when Derek Anderson took over after they booted Charlie Fry to the curb after one game. So I think John Dorsey knows that He's going to hire a new coach after the season. He knows who it's going to be, and he knows that that person is anxious to coach Baker Mayfield. I think that's the way those dominoes will indeed fall. And if Baker Mayfield holds out, that just plays right into it. PFTPM Posse could, should the NFLPA push for some sort of statute of limitations when it comes to these player investigations? Well, it could, but, you know, I had a conversation with Omar Kelly on Friday. He was sitting in for Joe Rose and Zach Krantz on WQAM. I've been doing Friday mornings there for years. I mean, at least 10, 11, 12 years. The question becomes this. What will the average player give up to ensure better procedures for that very small handful, one or two guys a year, who are caught within these procedures that aren't as fair as they could be because most guys are never going to be in trouble. How much am I giving up to help that one or two guys per year who probably did something stupid at a minimum at a minimum, like Jameis Winston, who's going to shed tears for Jameis Winston. He already was under scrutiny. He was still the subject of a lawsuit over the rape allegations at Florida state. And he allowed himself to slide within the bubble of accusation where something happened that someone could plausibly make an accusation that has the league ready to suspend him over it. So, you know, it feels like, like with Ezekiel Elliott, like, you know, the guy the guy deserved part of what he got because at a minimum, you know, remember the incident where he pulled the girls top down at the parade? Like, you know, th- these, are, these aren't older boys who are getting in trouble when it comes to personal conduct policy. So it's, it's hard for the average player to say, yeah, I'd give up something to ensure that this player or that player has a more fair procedure. And maybe it would ever change if somebody who was truly innocent got railroaded by the NFL's kangaroo court. But still, that's the, the, the problem that I continue to have with this from the perspective of the players. What will the players give up collectively and individually to help one or two guys per year? And the answer is not much. PFTPM Posse asks, why have we still not heard anything about the Giants being investigated by the NFL or the NFLPA for contact during non-contact practice? And Brian DDF responds by saying, because John Mara runs the league, that may be the explanation. I, I, that reminds me, I need to, I'm going to like that one. Don't, don't get all excited, PFTPM Posse. I'm going to like this one because it's a reminder to me to follow up with some people and find out what's going on. 
Recliner QB asks, do you believe that Jerry Jones made Randy Gregory's reinstatement part of his deal with Roger Goodell? I don't think so. But this gets back to what we're talking about earlier. When it comes to reinstatement from an extended indefinite suspension under the substance abuse policy, the commissioner can take as long as he wants. There's no deadline. We went through a thing with Alden Smith. I think Shefty suggested there was a 60-day deadline, and I researched the policy. And even though it's kind of implied that there may be a 60-day deadline, the way they drafted it, very artfully, much more artful than the 2009 Anthem policy, they drafted it in a way that does not compel the commissioner to make a decision within 60 days after the official reinstatement request. He can take as long as he wants. Sean Alvishar, have you ever thought of using the music by Hunter, Jen? <laughs> Hudson's assistant for the rejoin for the PFTPM podcast. Made me a man seems made for this podcast. You took me by the hand. See, that's why I don't sing ever. I'm in a good mood today. So I'll sing. And you know what? It's not like Hunter can sing where the shit made me a man that one night. All right, enough. Now, I don't know that we could get the rights to that. Does anyone own the rights to that? I, I, I assume that, that, that somebody connected to the office owns the rights to that horrible, that one night, or Made Me a Man, or whatever the name of that song was. Black88 Elite asks, did you get extra sleep today? Yes, I did. Thank you for asking. Now, I stayed up a little later than usual, although most weeknights, it's 12 or 1 before I get to bed, and then I'm up at 5.15, and then I just pick up another hour during the day and, and justify, like, the addition of the two. Like, hey, I slept six hours last night. I really didn't. I slept four plus one and a half, or, or four plus one, or three and a half plus one, as the case may be. But last night, I was up till about 1, and I got up at 8.30, and that felt pretty good. Now, I was wide awake at 6. I did not go through the panic of, oh, shit, I'm late for my show. I knew when I woke up, I didn't have a show. That's that, that it has happened to me in the past. It's happened to me on Saturdays where I've, I'll wake up at, at 5.55 and they go, shit, I got five minutes before my show starts. But, but I, I, I had a restful sleep tonight. And the puppy, for all the complaints I have about the puppy, once the puppy has emptied her bladder in the evening and is put in her crate for the night, and we, we put a like blanket or a towel over top, make it nice and cozy. And she, she likes it in there. She sleeps well in there. She does not want to go out until we're ready to take her out the next morning. And she holds it. She doesn't pee all over the inside of the crate. And uh, so that's good. So you, you don't have to get up at a certain time to take the dog out to pee, which, which is uh, a huge, huge factor in the overall quality of life. What else do we have? The Real Forno, why are so many officials deciding to retire now? Is it because the NFL is secretly moving to make officials full-time employees? That could be a factor. I mean, if Gene Steratore, for example, knows that he may have to give up his... He's got like a plumbing supply business in Washington, Pennsylvania, about an hour and a half from here. If he's going to have to give that up to be a, a full-time official, what if the network that he's going to work for reportedly CBS pays him as much or more than he's currently getting as a part-time official and he can continue to run his business. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. It could be that some of these guys who, who have the option to go join a network are choosing that over becoming squeezed to be full-time officials. And I think it's troubling that four referees are out. Now we knew Jeff Triplett and Ed Hockley were going to be gone, but to have Terry McCauley and Gene Steratore retire bang, bang one after the other, 
And to hear that Cleet Blakeman, according to Kevin Seifert of ESPN.com, interviewed for the NBC gig that reportedly has gone to Tarek McCauley. I can neither confirm nor deny that. I think we now know why Jeff Triplett reportedly was pushed onto ESPN by the NFL. Because if you don't hire Triplett, then they lose another referee that they wanted to keep. I think they were happy to get rid of Triplett. But if you don't hire Triplett at ESPN and they hire McCauley or Sterator, that opens another spot in this game of musical chairs. And maybe Cleet Blakeman does get one of the jobs and they're down a referee they want to keep. And if I was Cleet Blakeman, I'd be pissed off that they nudged ESPN to hire Triplett to take up a seat that I could have possibly had. Oh, I'd be very pissed off about that. And, and these referees, despite any flaws that you may think they have when it comes to officiating, they're typically pretty damn smart and they have good instincts. And I think Cleet may realize, or anyone else that was in the mix to get one of those gigs may realize that the NFL intervened to get Triplett a gig to take away one of the spots that otherwise would have gone to a current referee. What else do we have? The real 4-0, when will the NFL finally figure out they need to hire a full-time head of PR? Not letting Loren Duvernay Tardif have MD on the back proves it once again. Yeah, I agree with that. They still don't have a replacement for Joe Lockhart. And Lockhart was supposed to stay until his replacement was hired. Lockhart is gone. There's no replacement. They've gone through this debacle with the anthem policy last month. It's only been a month. And now this Loren Duvernay Tardif, who's making these decisions if you don't have an in-house PR executive. I don't get it. The real Forno, with how EA is rating players now in comparison to 15 years ago, will we ever see a time where Lamar Jackson is as dominant as Michael Vick was? I wasn't playing it a lot back in that time frame. I don't remember how good Michael Vick was. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to your question. Sorry. I probably should have skipped that one. I really don't know. Brady asks, I've been watching a football life to pass the offseason time. Do you have a favorite episode? I haven't watched a football life in a long time. I think I like the one about the Immaculate Reception. So, you know, for me, I, I spend so much time thinking about football, reading about football, studying, learning, thinking, discussing. When I get time away, I... I just like to do something else. I like to broaden my horizons a little bit. I've been reading a lot. I'd like to watch a movie or a documentary or something like that or watch the news. I mean, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of shit going on right now that makes it hard to look away from what's happening in the news. And of course, I mean shit in a non-political or non-partisan way. What else do we have here? KSTs 13. Can you please talk about the broadcasting of the two new football leagues? It looks like the AA. F is going to be on CBS. What about the XFL? The AAF will be on CBS. I don't know about the XFL. Remember, the XFL had that deal with NBC in 2001. That league was co-founded by Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersol. Now it's Charlie Ebersol and Bill Polian with the AAF and Vince McMahon with the XFL. And, and I don't know. I don't know who's going to televise the XFL. And I, I think the XFL is going to come off as more of a renegade operation. And maybe that means that... You know, it will be it will be a little more difficult for NFL partners to do business with the XFL. I don't know. I feel like the AAF is the one that's going to be in bed with the NFL. What else do we have here? 
the real Forno. How will the NFL poach players from the AAF when that time comes, whether it be a draft, waivers, free-for-all, dibs like the CFL? You know, I asked Charlie Ebersol about that a few weeks ago because my question is, okay, during the season, when you can sign guys to join NFL teams and be on a 90-man roster, and if the AAF is playing, will players be allowed to bolt then and there and join the NFL? And he said they haven't figured that out yet. I mean, I think if I'm the AAF, I want the guys to at least finish the season. Because there is no NFL season for them to go to. And if you start in early February with a 10-week season, they get there fairly early in the off-season program. And if they're coming from playing football, they really don't need to be in the off-season program, right? So I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. The Real Forno, can we get stats on fire on this podcast so we can not only force him to read all the questions, but answer them too? Yeah, you know what? We hear enough from stats Monday through Fridays on PFT Live. I don't know that I want stats to be a guest on the PFTPM podcast. I don't know. I'll take take that under advisement. Black 88 Elite, give me the over-under on games missed by Le'Veon Bell before he starts the season. I don't think he'll miss any games because this year at $14.5 million per for the season, divide that by 17, he would lose 852000 per week if he doesn't show up for week one. I think at the latest, he shows up Labor Day. And and I think one thing he may do, you know, he may show up for summer training camp in the preseason. I think maybe he skipped everything last year to get the Steelers to take it seriously this year and get him signed before July 16 when the window to do a multi-year deal closes. Maybe he'll realize, hey, this is my contract year. I'm on the market next year. I want to have a huge season. I want to be ready to go. I'm going to show up a little earlier than I did last year. Let's see what else we have. I, I need to wrap this up. I got something I have to do tonight. Um, Black 88 Elite, do you have any stadiums you plan to travel to this upcoming season? Well, we will be in Philadelphia for the season opener, Falcons at Eagles. And then every Sunday... We're always at the NBC Sports Group headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. In the postseason, we sometimes go to the site of the divisional game that NBC broadcasts. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We usually go the years that we have the Super Bowl as kind of a dry run for the field operation of everything that we do on site when it comes to getting ready for the Super Bowl. So I don't know if this year will be a trip to a divisional round game or not. And every once in a while, there's like the possibility of of an unexpected trip to a game site. I remember my first year with NBC, 2010, the Vikings-Eagles game that was played on a Sunday, due to be played on a Sunday, got bumped to a Tuesday because of a blizzard, and we just hopped the train and went down to Philadelphia and did everything from there on Tuesday night. So for now, just Lincoln Financial Field, and we'll see where it plays out from there. Let's see what else we have. I like, again, I probably should should, uh, wrap this up. Easy Rodriguez, on a scale of zero to no collusion as a former lawyer, what do crime documentary series like Making a Murderer do to your BS meter? I, I, you know, I remember watching Making a Murderer when it first came out. I, I remember thinking that, you know, the, the problem with the documentary, there's a point of view that the person who created the documentary always has. And the point of view is going to come through. And I, I feel like you could take the interviews, the evidence, you, you could couch it a certain way. And I think the point of view that they wanted to come through loudly and clearly was that the two guys who were the subject of that series got railroaded. And, 
you know, again, it all depends upon what was on the cutting room floor, what other evidence maybe didn't get played up the way that it should. I saw there was development in the Supreme Court today where the Supreme Court's not taking up the case for the young kid. The young kid, remember that the nephew that got that got railroaded by the prosecutors, that, that, that was not good. But I just always wonder how much of this is real and how much of it is what the, the person who's making the documentary wants us to think is real to make the documentary more interesting because we're more likely to watch a documentary that's interesting than one that's boring. So they find a way, I think, to make it dramatic, to make it theatrical, to make it something people want to watch while still able to say that they were truthful and honest. I just, I wonder, I wonder how much of, of embellishment and exaggeration happens in any of those, especially when it's a legal story. Like, remember the jinx, that, that thing that was on HBO? I just, I always wonder how much is real and how much is being puffed. So it makes for a better show. Hopefully, uh, we'll make for a better show whenever we can. I'm going to call it for today, as I've said a few times already. Thanks for joining me on this vacation edition of PFTPM plus bonus coverage PFT Live podcast Wednesday, tentatively, Amy Trask, Thursday, Peter King, Friday, Florio Jr., and off we go. We'll, we'll do one tomorrow as well, but just, you know, that unless, I, I, unless there's somebody else that I want to impose upon in late June to come join the program, it'll just be me. Thanks for your time. As always, check us out around the clock at profootballtalk.com. Have a great Monday. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.